Welcome into the Maze Cast, episode four, and uh, we are live from the lair on a Monday afternoon, the day after the Super Bowl. And we're going to talk a little Super Bowl today. Um, you know, I spent last week, uh, the majority of last week, down in Atlanta on Radio Row and had an interesting couple of days bunking up with Aton Shander, doing some radio uh, with Shander and Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN in South Jersey. Uh, had a blast with that uh, and also did uh, two hours a day, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday on the Tony Bruno Show podcast. So the radio aspect of the whole thing was awesome. I uh, had a lot of fun, talked to a lot of great guests, and uh, you know, I thought really put out uh, some quality product. The rest of it wasn't so good, and uh, the trip down was fine. But once we got to the Airbnb, I realized that uh, this was going to be a tough week. We had no cable. And there was the shittiest Wi-Fi signal you could ever imagine in this uh, apartment, which was really part of a hotel. It was like an apartment building that was in the Hilton Hotel in downtown Atlanta. And there was one key fob for the unit. Now, if you can imagine, and the guy told Aton that uh, one of the previous renters had lost it and I'm thinking well you know how is that our problem like this is imagine sharing a key fob with a guy like Aton who is capable of going off the reservation at any moment uh one there was one night where he had the key and the key fob you need the key fob to get into the elevator to get up to the unit on the 17th floor and then there was a key to the door he had both of them and was going to meet up with me later, so he said. He ends up falling asleep and not answering his phone, texting him 50 times, trying to call him six or seven times. He doesn't answer. So I don't know if he's getting with somebody or, or if something happened to him or if his phone ran out of battery and he's asleep. So I didn't know if I was going to be able to even get into the unit one night. So there was that whole drama. Uh, the place wasn't cleaned well at all. In fact, it was pretty dirty. The shades, the blinds on the big windows uh, looking into the, the living area did not work, and they were up the entire time, so, uh, full open. So you couldn't shut the shade, you couldn't lower them or keep the sun out, whatever. It was, it was awful. And pizza, it took them three hours to deliver a pizza the one night. So the stay was not so good, but the radio and Radio Row I thought was Fantastic! It was the first time I was able to experience that, and I really got to thank the guys at Jacob Media and also 97.3 ESPN for getting me down there. Uh, one of the highlights was hanging with Rodney Harrison at his house, and that was uh, the first day. Aton's a buddy of his, and he takes me over to Rodney's house, and we hung at Rodney's crib for a little while talking you know, radio, talking TV, talking football. It was a great uh, hour, hour and a half, and Rodney's a great guy. So that was cool. Uh, I actually went out and had a couple drinks with uh, Mike Babchik of Mad Dog Sports, the Morning Men show. And uh, that was really cool. That guy's hilarious and uh, really talented. Hung out with my buddy Sid Rosenberg. And uh, like I said, you know, did radio with Tony and did radio with Gil and Shander. So other than the stay, the actual place, the, the week was great. 
Now, the Super Bowl was not so super. And I know, you know, social media went nuts as it was happening. And, you know, I get it. Everybody overreacts. But it really wasn't an entertaining football game. I mean, let's be honest. I think a lot of people, not so much me, but a lot of people have been so sort of brainwashed into thinking that the only thing that makes a football game good is going up and down the field and scoring a bunch of points and, you know, fantasy players, you know, getting your, your team a lot of points and all this kind of stuff. And the, and the league is, is, is wanting to score more points. They're trying to minimize defense as best they can, which I think is a shame. But the, the, the problem with that is when we see a game like we saw Sunday night, it really stands out as a clunker. You're like, oh, this game sucks. You know, I, I, I'm turning this off because you're not you're you're kind of wondering is it really good defense so much or is it just bad offense? And I, it's a little bit of both is what it is. But there really was some really good scheme on the defensive side for both teams. I mean, you know, you look at the Rams and you look at uh, Wade Phillips and you're saying, all right, well, you didn't cover Edelman. Edelman was over open on every play, so they didn't have a plan for him. But they really took the James White screenplays away. I know uh, Michelle had close to 100 yards. You know, he, he was a fact. He scored the only touchdown. Uh, but Gronk really only made one big play, and it was a big play. But, the, you know, they kind of did a good job on Gronkowski, I thought. Brady was not spectacular in the least. In fact, I think the throw he made to Gronk that got him down to about the two-yard line was the best throw he had all day. Um, so... You're going to say, well, anytime you can hold New England to 13 points, you did a good job. And I agree with that. And you should figure to win the game if you're going to hold New England to 13 points. But that's where we go to the other side of the ball. And McVay, the boy genius, uh, was awful. He admitted it after the game. Good for him for that. But I thought he was terrible. And Goff was even worse. Goff showed that he is a guy that really needs all the other elements to his team to go well for him to look good. He's not one of these guys that can just basically do it himself. I mean, Gurley has not been himself. Uh, He's got an injury. We all know it. And, you know, he basically did nothing in the game. C.J. Anderson didn't do much at all either. Cooks had a big day stat-wise, but he dropped a big one inside the five, and Goff missed him, flat missed him in the back of the end zone for what would have been and should have been an easy touchdown. Uh, Goff missed several throws. He took a bad sack. Uh, He threw that awful interception uh, when they were driving in the fourth quarter. On on second down, he just forced the ball down the field. Gilmore was all over Cooks. There there was nobody open on the play, and that's one where he, he just needs to throw the ball away. And he panicked. He's a guy that looks very panicky on the field, when he doesn't have Gurley, you know, running the ball or Gurley healthy enough to be big in the screen game, Goff really was exposed. And really, I thought the coach was too. There's a lot of a lot of hype about him. You know, obviously, just a young, like genius play caller kind of guy. In fact, he's so popular that more than half of the hires that were made for new coaches this offseason were guys that rubbed elbows in an elevator with Sean McVay at some point. You know, everybody's trying to find the next McVay. And McVay had his big chance to go go up against the grizzled old genius. And Belichick schooled him. And so did Josh McDaniels, by the way. And this came out after the game. 
And actually, Romo started to notice it. He was noticing it during the game because he's fantastic. They were running basically the same formation for several plays in a row. And Romo picked it up and called it out. And that was the eventual play that they got the ball down to Gronk at the two-yard line. That was during this drive. And it was like a five receiver formation where they put in fullback as one of the receivers you know they had Burkhead in there they I think they had Devlin in there on one one or two of the plays Gronkowski's you know split out wide Edelman's in there and they threw the ball to several different receivers during this drive and the big one was to Gronkowski but apparently this was not something that they practiced this is something that McDaniels noticed that they could do during the game because nothing else was really working except finding Edelman opened. They really had nothing going. So he devised this setup and gave it to Brady. And these guys are just so good that they didn't even have to practice this. And in game, in the Super Bowl, they adjusted to it and it really won them the football game. So, you know, that, that, that was pretty cool. And it was cool that Romo saw it and was calling it out during the drive. Uh, so that that was like one of the cool parts about the game. I you know I thought Donald and Sue were pretty much neutralized. Uh, they, they only got to Brady, I believe, one time. So you know the game was was just not entertaining, and and that's unfortunate because we hype this stuff up. I do it. Uh, you know we look forward to it. You know it's the last football game, and you're like, this is the one we're going to have to chew on now. Uh, you know until camp opens up in July. So th- that, that part of it sucks. Uh, New England wins their sixth. They're now tied with Pittsburgh for a number of Super Bowls, won as a franchise, which is pretty amazing. And Brady stands alone now. Charles Haley had five. Brady now has six. So, you know, that, that's, you talk about goat conversations. To me, Brady's the goat. Uh, you know, Montana in a different era was the goat. And by the way, did you notice that that the commercials really nothing really much stood out to me except that NFL commercial, which I thought was pretty good, except they show Joe Montana throwing an interception. He's trying to get the ball. Michael Irvin says he's open, and Montana sees Irvin and says, "Now nah, I'm not throwing it to you, cowboy." And he tries to throw it to Jerry Rice. And Dion steps in front of it and picks it off. Montana, if we're talking, this is airing during the Super Bowl. Montana is 11 touchdowns and zero interceptions in his Super Bowls. Never threw a pick. They got him throwing a pick on Super Bowl Sunday in that commercial. So that's a bad job there. I thought the first responders advertisements were good. Those hit me. Um, I, I like those. Nothing else really stood out to me. I thought Gladys Knight was fantastic with the anthem. And apparently there was a timing controversy uh, for those that wager on that because she said brave twice. And technically, I guess, after the first brave, home of the brave, the song's over. Well, she said brave again and extended it a few seconds. And I, you know, some books aren't paying for the over and it was just a mess. I never get involved with the timing of the anthem. That's not one of the prop bets that I got involved with. I got involved with, uh, I like the punts under seven and a half. And, you know, by the second quarter, I knew that was dead. I, I think the Rams punter punted nine times himself because there was absolutely no offense. So that was a bad call by me. So an uneventful Super Bowl, 
And on to the next. And I'm looking at the odds for Super Bowl 54. Kansas City with newly minted MVP quarterback Patrick Mahomes at 6-1 to one are the favorites right now. A couple of teams coming in at 8-1 to one are the Rams, the Saints, and the Patriots. 8-1. to one. The Chargers are in at 14 to 1 along with the Bears and the Steelers. Then comes Minnesota, Green Bay and Dallas at 16 to 1, and then come the Philadelphia Eagles along with the Ravens, Colts, Browns and Texans at 20 to 1. Boy, that I'll tell you, Vegas is not liking uh, the Eagles' chances next year to get back to the Super Bowl. So, uh, but take that as you know for some value. I, I you know plunk down a hundred dollars on that right now uh, for all you Eagle fans. I, I, I like that, but uh, I kind of like the Colts there too at twenty to one. That looks like a, a pretty tempting play. Seattle's then in at thirty to one. Atlanta, Jacksonville, and the Giants at forty, and the Niners at fifty to one. So Garoppolo's return doesn't look too uh, enticing as far as them getting to the Super Bowl. But, you know, Niner fans throw a little change on that. If they get there it's, and, and win it, you're going you're gonna to collect big. Uh, the longest shot on the board that I'm looking at here is the Miami Dolphins at 300-1. to 1. Even the Redskins are better than that at 100-1. to 1. So that's for next week, uh, for next year's Super Bowl. That courtesy of uh, Jeff Sherman, on Twitter, at Golf Odds, and I suggest everybody follow him if you like to wager. He's a great follow. Now, I was going to get into some college basketball stuff here today, but I think I'm going to save that for the next one. I'm a little under the weather, and I want to get through this without coughing. I picked up uh, something probably in the Airbnb or just being close proximity to Shander for too long a period of time. Uh, so I got a little something and I'm not feeling the best. So I'm going to try to limit this uh, this podcast. I'll get into some college basketball in depth in the next one. But man, I did notice this game. VTech and NC State, both ranked teams, by the way, both in the top 25, played a game on Saturday afternoon that went 47-24. to Virginia Tech wins over NC State. NC State is ranked and scored 24 points in a regulation college basketball game. This is men. How is that possible? I saw there was one guy on their team, I forget who it was, was 0 for 12 from the field. I mean, Jesus. I mean, it's a, it's a record. It's a modern-day record. And that is abysmal. But it's kind of a, it got me thinking about college basketball and how difficult a lot of it is to watch right now and that's a shame because I love it but I'm going to get more in depth on that in the next one and apparently this um, the Carson Wentz piece that uh, ran in the Philly Voice a week or so ago apparently Wentz has given some credence to that basically admitting that he hasn't been uh, maybe the best teammate in this past year and this past year has been very frustrating for him I alluded to that and I thought that you know there was some truth to this that you know this this writer Santa Liquido and the Philly Voice people are not making this up uh we you know we we spoke with uh, the editor or one of the editors Matt Mullen on a derailed podcast shortly the day after the the, the piece uh hit Philly Voice 
And we went through it, and, and, and he said, you know, look, look I vetted these sources. Uh, I've seen the text messages. I've talked to some of the sources, and they checked out. So I believed it. So, you know, there is some truth to this, and Wentz kind of owned up to it. Uh, I give him credit for doing that, and I think it, it shows what kind of a, a guy he is in a positive way, and I think it, it shows the, the kind of leader that he is. So I kind of liked seeing that. Of course, the Eagles exercised the option on Nick Foles for the $20 million, and obviously now, right now, their, their goal is to trade him, to try to trade him. You know, can they make a deal with Jacksonville or some other team uh, for maybe a second-round pick? Uh, you know, maybe I would like to see him try to get at least a second-round pick for him. But I, I think something, I saw something the other day that maybe a third round is more likely. But either way, it looks like Nick Foles has played his last football game with the Philadelphia Eagles and uh, will be on some other team next season. So, you know, there's that. And then the golf. We got to get to the golf because it was actually somewhat of a train wreck too. Sunday was a really weird sports day. I mean, you had the you know the, all the the lead up for the Super Bowl. We were out at Parks Casino, which was great. Uh, Shander and I from noon to two doing a derailed episode live, and we we streamed it live on Twitter. Uh, that that was a whole lot of fun. But then I get back home to watch the golf, and you know this kind of bad weather in Phoenix. Uh, it was raining. You know, the ball wasn't going anywhere. You know, everybody's shooting over par. The, the, the leaders were, you know, two, three over par uh, halfway through the, the, the final round. And Fowler had a five-shot lead at one point. And about 20 minutes later, he's trailing by one. And I'm like, damn it, Ricky. He always seems to do this kind of stuff when he has a chance to win a tournament. Whether it's, you know, he'll play really well for four days, but there'll be this one or two holes that either happen maybe on, you know, on a Friday or on a Sunday where he just has a blow-up hole, and it costs him the tournament. And it's happened many, many times, and it, it looked like it was going to happen again when he tripled the 11th, where his third shot just skidded right across the green and rolled right into the water. He then places the ball on a hill, the hill that goes down towards the water. He carefully places the ball and goes up to the green to check out, you know, how much green he has to work with and where he wants to land the shot. All of a sudden, he looks back and the ball's rolling into the water again. So he had to take another penalty shot. He ends up making a, a really nice pitch and an incredible putt for a seven. But he was obviously shaken because the next hole, he bogeyed it. So he triples 11, bogeys 12, then pars the 13th hole, which was the easiest hole on the golf course. And so he is just, he's, he's a mess. Brandon Grace ends up taking the lead, but Ricky birdied the 15th, birdied the 17th, the drivable par four. Uh, Grace bogeyed a couple holes down the stretch, and Fowler survives in the desert for his fifth win. So that was good to see. And it was good to see kind of him having to deal with that kind of adversity that he imposed on himself. I mean, he screwed him. You know, he had a couple bad breaks, but he had a couple of bad shots. But it showed me that he's got some teeth in his stomach now. And that's what it's going to take for him to win a major. you got to be a player that has a little bit of teeth in your stomach. And Fowler is always one of these guys. That's got a, he's got a great golf swing. Uh, you know, he's uh, Butch Harmon's his coach. He's got a tremendous putting stroke. And he's a really likable guy, and you know I root for him. I like to, I want him. I want to see him get that major to sort of solidify his career. 
justify some of the hype that is around him. And so I root for Fowler. But, you know, damn it, every time he seems to just screw it up. This time he didn't. He screwed it up, and then he comes back. So that that showed me a little something. And, of course, uh, another thing with the golf was the Johnny Miller farewell on Saturday. They transitioned to Paul Azinger now in the booth with Dan Hicks. I'm not the biggest fan of NBC's golf team. Never really was, but I did like Johnny Miller. I'm going to miss Johnny Miller. You know, and his chapped lips. He always looked like he he needed to put uh, he needed to have Dan Hicks stand there, sit there with a, some chapstick for those chapped lips of his. But uh, he was great. He always he was gave it to you straight. Um, you know, gave it he gave his true opinion, knowing that a lot of people and a lot of those players they don't like to be criticized. God forbid you criticize a golfer. Oh, they they flip the fuck out. Johnny Miller was great. I'm gonna miss him, but Azinger's good too. I've I've liked Azinger when uh, working with Fox and and he was working with I believe maybe it was TNT or ABC back in the day I forget but uh, he's good and it's gonna you know maybe take him a little bit of time to adjust to the new uh, the new crew that he's working with but uh, I'm kind of sad to see Johnny Miller go he's 71 years old had a you know fantastic career uh, as a golfer and equally as great as a broadcaster. So that, that was pretty much it. Now, I did get a what would Harry do here from uh, Hubba Hubba at Gmail. Sends in uh, a what would Harry do question. And he says, someone is going to give me $5,000 cash at 8 a.m. You got to spend it by midnight. But you cannot have anything material or tangible to use in the future once the event is over, once the day is over. So in other words, you can't buy a car, you know, a computer, you know, buy some gold, etc. If you cannot do it, you owe the guy who gave you the money for the five grants. So you got to pay it back. What would you buy? What do you spend the money on by midnight? What would Harry do? This is pretty easy for me. I would get three of my good buddies that enjoy playing around at golf, and I would go get up to Shinnecock. I'd find a way to get up to Shinnecock. Probably couldn't afford, I don't know if I could afford a helicopter to get out there. Getting out there is a pain in the ass. But I'd always loved to play it. I was there for the U.S. Open way back when. Not this. Not last year, but this was back, I believe it was 04. I was there for two days, and it was just fantastic. But I would, uh, if I could afford a helicopter, I would. And me and three other buddies to get on there and play. I'd call my, my guy... My, I'd call my buddy Tom Guy at Illigo, and he would arrange it for us. And we'd get out there, and then I'd pay, you know, I'd spend the five grand with the caddies, what have you, get some lunch, and play Shinnecock. I'd, I'd hope to be able to do that for 5000 bucks. That's what I would do. I wouldn't be spending it on strippers or hookers or anything like that. I'm married and happily married. So that's what I would do with that one. But uh, send those in, please. I- I'm looking forward to doing more of these. Harry Mays at thebrandedsports.com is the uh, the email address. So send in those questions. I want to get more of those going as these podcasts roll forward. So now that football is over, and then we have the combine coming up, and you know I don't know if we'll really talk so much about you know guys in shorts, you know running running forties. But football discussion is pretty much going to be tabled until free agency. The Nick Foles trade, 
might be the next big thing. And then we get towards the draft. But I'm going to have to start working in a lot of, uh, you know, NBA. Of course, we're doing the the uh, fan cred fourth quarter lives. You got to download the fan cred app. And we're doing our next one Tuesday night against the Raptors, which should be a great game. Sixers really don't beat the Raptors. They have a really hard time with them. But this is going to be a really sort of a measuring stick game for the 76ers. And Shander and I will be doing fourth quarter live on FanCred. So you can check us out there uh, going forward once a week until the playoffs start for the Sixers. But we're going to start to work in a lot more NBA basketball. The Flyers are are putting together a win streak. Yes, believe it or not. Some people do care about hockey. I actually watched a little bit of the hockey game against Edmonton. Connor McDavid made a fantastic goal. But Carter Hart uh, is looking like the real deal. And the Flyers are are starting to put together some good games back-to-back-to-back. And, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe maybe they can run down a playoff spot uh, for what it's worth going forward here. But uh, So there is a little hockey action going on. College basketball, I'm going to get more in-depth on that in the next episode. And, of course, we'll keep, uh, we'll keep looking at the golf. Next week is the uh, Pebble Beach, the Pro-Am, which I'm, you know, I'm not all that enamored with it. I love looking at the scenery of Pebble Beach. I'll be more interested when they come back in June for the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. But uh, they're, they're doing the California swing right now. There's a lot of bad weather in California, a lot of rain. It's going to be interesting, interesting to see what that golf course looks like, what kind of weather they're going to have to deal with. And then, of course, they go to Riviera, one of my favorite spots uh, in L.A., and uh, you know they're getting bad weather there, too. So we'll see what happens over these next couple of, of weeks before they head to uh, Mexico and then to Florida. So uh, there's episode four. Don't forget, follow me on Twitter at Harry Mays TU. Follow the guys at Branded Sports uh, on Twitter, Branded underscore Sports. Head to that website whenever you can. There's all kinds of fun content on there. They're putting so much stuff up there during the day, every day. There's a reason to go there and check it out, thebrandedsports.com. And, of course, check out the Derailed podcast as well. We're now up to 13 episodes uh, with Shander. And, of course, we broke uh, some news on Friday down at Radio Row where it became official that I'm going to be doing Monday through Friday now, starting on April the 1st, which is a Monday. Monday through Friday, noon to 2 on 97.3 ESPN, which is out of Atlantic City. Uh, So you head down there for the shore of the summer. You'll be able to listen to me all on the air signal. But download their app. Go to the App Store Get the 97.3 ESPN app, and you can listen to me anywhere uh, with that because we're going to do the show uh, from either my home or Shander's apartment. We're, we're not commuting. We're doing it from Conshohocken, and we're going to do some, you know, some local remotes too. You'll be able to come out and see us do the show live periodically, but we're not going to have to commute back and forth to Atlantic City. We're going to do the show here, but you can listen to it anywhere. It's, you know, it's going to be really a, essentially a Philadelphia midday show from noon to 2, Monday through Friday, leading into the Mike Gill show, the Sports Bash. Uh, we'll be coming out of Dan Lebitard's show, which usually would run, I believe, uh, 10 to 1. But now that's going to go off at noon. We come on 12 to 2 and bridge it right to Mike Gill and the Sports Bash. So looking forward to that. We'll be telling you more as we keep getting closer. Uh, but till next time, hopefully I'll be feeling a little bit better and can give you a, a better maze cast. I apologize if if I sound like shit. I can't help it. All right. Oh, yeah. And that, the other thing, 
My wife listened to a couple of the the podcasts on a on a trip that she took for work and says she doesn't appreciate when I curse on here. So, you know, if that offends anybody else, let me know. Send me an email, harrymays at thebrandedsports.com, and uh, let me know if you like some colorful language or you don't. She obviously does not like it. But this podcast is for you guys, all right? So until next time, Mays from the lair, and I'm out.